Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds. Drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. I guess probably one of the biggest cats we ever killed is probably a good story. So it was, uh, I think it was the second year. No, yeah. It would have been the second year that we were running bobcats. Uh, uh, I had, uh, Sadie was going good on him, and I had Cinder, who was young and, and just getting started. And we had one of the biggest tracks I'd ever seen crossing the road both ways. And the snow conditions were tough. And we really couldn't tell which way was the right end of it, so uh, I took the dogs and went in on the track, and it ended up crossing a pretty good-sized creek a couple times, and and the dogs took it and left on it for a ways, and then pretty soon here they come back, running the track back the other way. So at that point, I uh, assumed that we went the wrong way, so Mm -hmm. uh, the dogs got to a point where the cat had crossed the creek, and it was pretty deep, and and, uh, there was no logs or anything to cross. it was probably in the single digits that morning, Oof. and I didn't. I had already spent enough time on that end of the track that I didn't want to waste any more time. So I, I just picked the dog up under each arm and carried him across the creek, waited to creep. Jeez, uh, it was up, that was up cold. to my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cold, but you know, back back when we first started, I was I was hardcore. I didn't care. You know, I did whatever <laughs> I I had to do to try to make things happen and keep things going. So I got the dogs across and they took the track and up across the road and by the time I got out to the road it was like I was wearing tin tin uh, pipes on my legs yeah, my, I bet. my pants were froze, froze solid so we had run in that area the year before and I kind of remembered what the cat had done so I had a plan to, to go up this hollow and kind of get you know we were kind of cutting the way the dogs were um, going we were cutting the corner so we kind of went up this valley and started up a steep deep grade and the dogs had already got across there and were headed up towards the top and we probably got i don't know within 500 yards of them and i heard heard sadie and cinder open up and i told the guy said that cat's up we'll just kind of stand here in the open and watch for a little bit well they they circled on top of that hill for a little bit and uh i said let's move in a little to see if we can get a little closer to the circling and about that time they they come out of there and they come down the hill about 150 yards to our left and down across the open open woods, down to the valley, and we listened to them. And they run clear back, almost out to the road, and there was a little hemlock thicket there that they started circling in. So I, I told the guy, I said, let's go over and, and stand on the track where they come down off this hill. Mm-hmm. That way, if it comes back, we'll be in position. And uh, we just stood there and listened to the chase. It was probably 10 minutes of short circling in that hemlock thicket. And... and uh, Pretty soon, I heard them. They were coming back towards us, and it was—I uh, don't know—the level of, of excitement for me. <laughs> it, oh, it really increased because I could—I could hear the dogs coming, and they were steady bark, steady bark. Well, then you could hear their intensity pick up, mm-hmm. and—and and I'm guessing at that point they had seen the cat oh, yeah. because they really got the barking, 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 and then it was almost like the last few barks were like trying to bite it, you know, that yeah. last real quick quick barks and they were treed nice and uh at that point you know that was i think that was the first cat we had ever treed and i was so dang excited coming down off that hill i tripped and fell and tumbling and (laughs) my my dad had come in from the road and and had the the young kid with him 
and uh, he got to the tree before us, and they wanted to get a shot. And I told him, I said, on the radio, I said, I want to get down there and see that cat before you guys shoot it. So, yeah, no kidding. Uh, they had to talk the kid down pretty good before we got down there, and and uh, we got down, and it was it looked like I mean, it was the biggest cat we've ever killed. Wow. Um, even did, even to this day. Did you weigh him? Uh, yeah, it ended up being thirty six pounds. Nice. That's a nice and, cat. Uh, I mean, that's a nice is. cat and, in general, but especially for right. being Pennsylvania. Right, right, and I, you know, I've heard a lot of stories of forty pounders and stuff, and uh, I always try to be pretty conservative about the cat when I look at it. But, mm-hmm. but to this day, thirty-six pounds—that's the biggest one we weighed. Nice. So, well, I mean, but, uh, like I said, we're not Maine, we're not Montana. You know, right? The further you go north, obviously, we know all everything gets bigger, so you're gonna get right. bigger cats up there, but. 36 pounds is very respectable cat for Pennsylvania. Right. So, so yeah, we, uh, we got some good pictures of it and knocked it down and, and that just fueled my fire a little bit more and, and, uh, things escalated from there. Oh, I bet. <laughs> so you said that was your second year running. So that would have been mid two thousands. Like, yeah, I, th- I think that would have been, uh, or pushing late 2008. It, okay. been, it was about 2008, I think. Was, okay. And then 2007 was the first year we ran cats. Gotcha. Well, Dan, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, uh, I'm Dan Pierce, and uh, I'm from northwest Pennsylvania, and been in the mountain curves about 16 years ago, and I try to hunt everything I can with them. <laughs> Squirrels, spoons, bobcats, really uh, gotten a passion for for having curs here mm-hmm. and and mainly mainly squirrel hunt as much as I can but yeah uh, I just can't can't kick the quad cat hunting bug. Well, I know so. about two you said about, you know, two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight is kinda when you started really getting into them and then hunting the cats and everything. That's what stood out to me because we're talking old forum days. This is pre Facebook. I was I graduated high school in two thousand eight. So like and that's right around the time that I kind of got involved. So I'm on all these old forums just cruising. I wasn't real active, but, you know, lurking. And here, here's your pictures of, you know, everyone else is trained squirrels and coon, and here you're trained bobcats. And I was like, this is awesome. And then I'm like, he's in Pennsylvania. I'm like, this is even cooler. You know, so it, it was kind of by, kind of almost by accident, really. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't know much about bobcat hunting. I grew up, uh, Grew up coyote and fox hunting okay. with hounds, and we had beagles growing up. And you know, bobcat bobcat hunting wasn't even a thing when I was a kid. We yeah. weren't allowed to hunt them up until uh, I don't know. It had been early two thousands, maybe two thousand one was the first year. Okay. Somewhere right around there was the first year they opened the season as a lottery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so and back then it was it was a lottery. So you know, even because did you guide or did you just take a lot of people that? So, so when we first started the year that we started, I had Sadie and, um, I just, I was reading up on it and they were, the lottery come for the Bobcat and I reached out to family and friends. I said, why doesn't everybody send for a license? And if, if somebody draws, we'll take Sadie up and try it. Mm-hmm. Really had no idea other than, you know, our coyote hunting experience background. So, uh, the, fir- the very first year my dad drew a tag. That's awesome. The first year he applied. So, uh, we went up and he ended up getting the bobcat killed in front of Sadie the first year. Mm-hmm. And that day we came home and, uh, 
there was a guy at my dad's shop. He does uh, domestic beetles. And the guy stopped to pick up a deer head and seen a bobcat and was asking about it. He said, well, both my son and my wife have bobcat tags. Would you be interested in taking them? So at that time, I didn't know, you know, what the charge. I was kind of caught off guard. And I <laughs> yeah. said, well, yeah, you know, I'd like to like to try. So we just went as friends and, and went bobcat hunting. And actually, that, that guy there, his other boy is the one that killed the 36-pounder the following year. Nice. So that, so then we started looking into it and got more involved and get our guide permits and mm-hmm. for the following years. And for, I think there was four years there, we, we were guiding, um, and it was still a lottery. Mm-hmm. And then it, uh, after that, it went over the counter and, yeah. and changed things quite a bit on us. Still, there's still a lot of people, even though it's out over the counter, still most people don't have dogs that are capable. Of right. Cats. And, you know, the situation now is you've got three weeks to hunt them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not really hardly worth having a dog just straight for, for bobcats because the season's so short. And I don't, I personally don't live in an area that has bobcats, so we have to travel an hour and a half, two hours to get in the country that has cats. Yeah. No, so I'm the same not, way. You know, I don't, we don't have cats down here. Right, and you get, you know, off-season, it's, it's just hard to go up and spend time training dogs. I've talked to, like, one or two people that live in Pennsylvania that have cat dogs. That's a lot of work to put in for a three-week season. It is. It is. And, you know, I've been fortunate. I, I never, when I got curves, I never set out for that. Mm-hmm. It was just something that, something really that, that nobody else was doing. And Yeah. And, you know, when we first started coyote hunting, we kind of were in the same position. There wasn't a lot of guys around. There was a couple guys around running coyotes. Now this is this is clear back in the early nineties. Okay. Uh, so we started coyote hunting, and and it it was nice to be on the forefront of at least in this area. Mm-hmm. You know, most people didn't even know we had coyotes, and it kind of was the same thing with bobcats when we first started running. Everybody's like, "Oh, you're running bobcats," and, yeah. and then they would ask what kind of dogs I was running. I'd tell them, and they just give me a goofy look. <laughs> and I think that that fueled my fire for running curves even more. You yeah. know, I, I kind of like doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized uh, I'm far from being the first person to ever do it or even that few people that do it, but, uh, but there wasn't a lot of people doing it. And then oh, yeah, it even caught now, a lot of people off guard. There's still not a lot of people that run curves ex- right. on, on cats right. kind of heavily. Like typically, at least it seems to me when season rolls around, you you shift your entire focus to cats and for that three weeks you put some pressure on cats yeah pretty much stay at camp hunt every day it speaks to the versatility of of your dogs and and the breed as a whole it's something that's different where hounds a lot of times it's you know they're they're good at one thing like i had a plot hound and he wanted to be a bear dog he didn't want anything to do with coon after we started him on bear so i I think yeah and i can see i can i can see that um, and I, I, I kind of, it's hard to get any dog that excels at everything. And mm-hmm. I, yeah. uh, to be honest, I don't, I've never had that. Um, my, my first cur, Sadie, she was, she was probably as good all around dog as I've ever owned here. Okay. It, it didn't really seem to matter whether I squirrel hunted her, coon hunted her, bobcat hunted her. She was good at all of it, but mm-hmm. I don't know that she was ever exceptional at any of it. Okay. Uh, but every single dog I've had here is been about the same way actually some of them have excelled more at one thing than than uh than the others uh mm-hmm. Allie, for instance uh she's she's 10 years old now 
she never made a squirrel dog. I tried. I tried and <laughs> tried and tried. And she'll, she'll treat a squirrel, kill squirrels with her, but she just never really, really cut it. And she was a decent coon dog, but she was definitely better at bobcats than anything. Okay. That's interesting. So she's, she's got some age on her now. And then actually her mother, Cinder, was, was kind of the same way she started off and squirrels really well and as soon as I started running bobcats with her <laughs> she almost forgot what a squirrel was yeah uh, and they're like and I think these that dogs created, are like me that they get that adrenaline rush <laughs> squirrels just don't cut <laughs> well, it well I, I think I created a little bit of a monster with her because when that happened she decided she wanted to start running deer uh, and I, she liked that fast game and, and mm. running that track and, and I had a heck of a time getting her broke off a deer and I, I still hindsight attribute that to starting to run bobcats with her when she was young. Gotcha. She would have been just a year old when I started running her on cats. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, I just, I'm always trying to figure out what I did to create mm-hmm. what I got, you know, what in my process of, of getting them started, where did I create an issue? Yeah. Well, let's, let's go back, circle back to Sadie and, and how did you get Sadie? Cause she was a little different looking than what you typically see when you see a mountain cur. Right. And and she wasn't registered. She was the local Amish had her. Okay. And I really don't know. I tried to track down. They said that her parents had papers, but the Amish didn't keep them. And mm-hmm. Tried to track down what she was and her breeding. And I never really got a straight answer. Gotcha. Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you what's in her. She had a white head. And, and at that point, I didn't know anything about any breeding. or I hadn't even really looked when I bought her. You mm-hmm. know, I just, oh, it's a mountain cur. And, and that's what I want. And and honestly, she started a whole raft of my friends and family getting dogs, cur mm-hmm. dogs, because of how she was. Didn't your brother or somebody own, like, a dog that looked real similar to her? Yeah, uh, Gunner. Uh, again, Gunner's still around. Was he related but, to her? Uh, yeah, it would have been out of her littermate brother. Okay. And he was an excellent, excellent squirrel dog mm-hmm. and a pretty good coon and cat dog. I mean, he killed some cats in front of him, killed some coons. But, uh, nice. but yeah, so once I started getting into mainly, I guess it was the internet forums and stuff, I started mm-hmm. reading about bloodlines and, and looking for dogs. And I really, I still didn't really know much about anything. But uh, I actually, I got Cinder from a dog trader. Okay. didn't know anything about her background or paperwork or anything but she was registered right she yeah she is registered uh, and she was mostly franklin uh now in franklin thunder mm-hmm. and jukebox and mm-hmm. streets mountain jack okay yeah well, i mean for where you live that's not uncommon you know, right you're not right. that far from allen um no what five maybe four or five hours at the most um, maybe four. Okay. That's kind of what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too awful far. Yeah. But there, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of that breeding around this yep. part of the country. I mean, Ohio, West Virginia, Western PA is that, that's what, if if you go and just look for a mountain curve, most likely it's going to be heavy thunder or jukebox. Correct. Correct. I mean, you have to look and, and go get something from somewhere else if, if you want something otherwise. Right, which is me, because I like to be different. Because that's what you did <laughs> when you got junior, right? Yeah, right. I started looking for stuff that wasn't, and it's nothing against, you know, Cinder's 
Tinder's laying on the couch here beside me. <laughs> but <laughs> she had more drive than anything I had ever really been around. We could not run that dog down. So I wasn't looking for a change. I just wanted something. I just wanted something different. Yeah. So I got to uh, looking into the the old stock pusher bred dogs. Mm-hmm. And funny story on Junior. Uh, somebody had posted him for sale on a forum, and I had looked at it. and I actually showed my wife, and she kind of rolled her eyes. And I was like, oh, I'm not really looking. I just I think it's a nice looking dog. Mm-hmm. So every day when I get home from work, I'd get on there and I'd be looking. Well, she she was watching me. And the one day she's like, if you really like the look to him, why don't you go take a look at him? There you go. So I, I just picked up the phone and gave the guy a call, and and uh, he said he'd be around that weekend. So we drove down, and uh, I brought him home. And that's the last time she ever told me anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you have to go to get him? Uh, he was in PA. Oh, okay. Um, originally, I, I, he's out of Tim Cope's Grizz Dog mm-hmm. and J-Mac Hanna. And I, I think the I think the guy that had him was uh, John Nunnemaker. Okay, I, I knew he went back to Tim's dogs. Right. I, I couldn't remember exactly which male. I think he was down uh, down by Uniontown somewhere. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. You know, it's been thirteen years ago now. Yeah, that's still not that bad. That's still not like you know going all the way to North Carolina like to Tim's or something. Right. Which you know. Wouldn't have been out of the question. I just happened to. I really, I really wasn't looking that hard when I got him. Mm-hmm. But when the wife gives you permission, you take advantage, right? Exactly. <laughs> I always really liked his dogs. I mean, they're these big, mostly black or black brindle dogs, and you know, all old stock busher breeding, which just right. looks different than a lot of what you see. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I, I do like the black black brindle dogs, but I haven't been able to get one out of one of my litters here yet. So. <laughs> so where did you go after Junior? So Junior and Cinder are only like six months apart in age and I, I raised those two and ran cats with them and I think those two probably caused more hair loss in me than anything else in my <laughs> career. Uh, I, I think at that point I decided I wasn't going to try to start two dogs especially running cats and, mm-hmm. and doing everything I was trying to do. I was trying to squirrel hunt and cat hunt and coon hunt with them and and uh yeah they stressed me out <laughs> so but you know as dogs get older you want to want to start something else before you have dogs that are too old to do anything so i ended up breeding those two okay and and i just had the one litter and i kept the female out of it and that's where Allie came from um, there you go uh at that point that was probably the the Right around that time was probably the high point of our bobcat hunting. It was the last year that that uh, it was a lottery, mm-hmm. and there were cats everywhere. And our name was out. And the season was from October to uh, ran the same as our first regular fur takers. So it was like twentieth of October to like twentieth of February. Mm-hmm. So we had all winter to hunt and you know wait for good conditions. Yeah, and the last year there we killed eighteen cats. We took wow. 20, 20 guys, and we killed eighteen bobcats. That's impressive. And uh, and at that point, mainly Cinder and Sadie, those mm-hmm. two had had become, and to this day they're still the best duo that we ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pretty much turned them loose on a cat, and 
expected them to either catch it on the ground, go underground, or tree it. Uh, that's something that I wanted to get to eventually, and since you mentioned it, we'll talk about it. Um, okay. Do you tend to tree more, bay more, hole more? Like, what, what do you seem to do the most? Well, we definitely hole more than anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's been, you know, a lot of people's Achilles heel is they give up. You know, we might we might try on three or four tracks a day, and two of them or three of them or all four of them might go underground, and then you just go back after it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, sometimes they were they were underground before we ever even cut the dogs loose, and mm-hmm. I honestly think that it's gotten worse over the years. Um, also, it depends on snow conditions. You know, deep snow, hard to get them to run at all. Mm-hmm. If, if any, they might jump and run a hundred yards and go under a rock. Gotcha. At one point, we were treeing more than we were catching on the ground. It's interesting. And then we had one. We had one year there where we didn't tree any and caught everything on the ground. It, it just, it, I don't know. It varies mm-hmm. back and forth. Okay. Because uh, well, from just talking to different people, it seems like most people tend to catch more on the ground than tree. At this point, I would say we probably caught more on the ground. Mm-hmm. But there was a time that I don't know that it was. That way, okay. We haven't we haven't treed many in the last couple of years, and, and I think that, to be honest, I think it attributes to the dogs. You know, they say real good bobcat dogs really hard to come by, and mm-hmm. and the dogs I'm running now are definitely capable of it, but they aren't as efficient as as like Sadie and Cinder were. Well, like you said, if you're running from October through February, whenever conditions are right. Where now you're just putting those three weeks yeah. of season in, you, know, you run no it, matter what, and that that does make a big difference because when conditions are good, you catch them mm-hmm. better. Now we just if, if we can find a cat, we run it. You yeah, know, you don't we don't have time to wait for the conditions to get any better. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we treat we treat one. I can't remember last season. Last season was kind of tough for us, but the season before that, the last day we treat one. Okay. But, uh, you know, the last couple of years have been a little tough. And the crusty snow and stuff, the cats mm-hmm. are on top of that crust and the dogs can. It's, yep. I, I don't know if you could run anything that could catch them in those kind of conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's hard. It's hard on the dogs because then they'll, you know, feet get tore up and they're sore for a couple of days. And those are, those are uh, tough years when it's like that. Definitely. And our snow here the last couple of years has been... Very unpredictable, anyway, and and late. Right, right. Cross, I think we've had crust the last two years, mm-hmm. almost to the point where we couldn't hardly run the dogs on it. And then after the crust went away, we got super deep snow this year. And then we were finding a fair amount of cats at the beginning of the season when the snow was only a couple inches deep. But then once that snow got to about a foot deep, they just quit covering ground. And it's you know it's a lot of country. Mm-hmm. You know, they just weren't crossing the roads. And, we didn't have near as many options. Yeah. Now, how did you get started when you, when you started hunting cats? How did you get your dogs started on cats? Did you just walk tracks out, or? Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've had that question: is how do you get them to chase a cat? And I was like, well, have you ever met a, a dog that wouldn't chase a cat? <laughs> I mean, unless it was raised around them. But but yeah. So I think that was probably one of the biggest hurdles, and I know a lot of my friends and stuff have that struggled is getting a, a mountain cur to take a cold trail and stick with it. Mm-hmm. 
and jump a cat. And Sadie was, I guess, kind of a exception to that because we just found a bobcat track one day and I was following it with her and she kept coming back. And I'd just get her to go on and she'd go, you know, 100 yards and come back. We were crawling through Laurel and just miserable trying to track the bobcat through there. And I finally got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. She's either going to do it or not. And she she took the track. Well, this time she went further than she had before. And I don't know why, or I guess maybe the track had just gotten that much better. But the next thing, she had it jumped. And my dad missed it, I think, four times. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up getting away from us. But that was our first experience with it. And pretty much from then on, she, she would just put her on a track and she would go. Okay. And... I kind of used her as my trainer for the rest of the dogs. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, my dad and I both, we walk more than, than most people. A lot of folks, you know, dump a dog on a track and they either do it or they don't. And I've never been like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, went, he went running coyotes. You know, we went right with the dogs. And and if they did make a mistake, we were there to correct it. And they just keep getting better and better. You know, you help them out through yep. that stuff and to the point where, you turn them loose and you don't see them again until the cats run. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of a lot of curs, I don't think that that's been a struggle. I think for for most of the guys, and even Cinder. Cinder was never a great cold trailer, but if I could get her with Sadie, she would take it. Now Junior, that was different. He would you put him on a track, he would take it. He always was good sticking with the track. Okay. And the other two since then have have followed suit. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I try to strive for that, and that was part of the reason, you know, as, as much talking as I'd done, um, even with Tim, you know, I wanted the dog to take a track and stick with it and not give up. Yeah. And I, that was kind of why I steered towards the, the older stock dogs, hoping that that would, that would uh, work out that way. And for the one I got, it did. Good. Yeah, and I know that's, um, so I, I have not done a lot of cat hunting. I, I went one weekend this year, and I've been meaning to get up for like the last four or five years and I bought my tag every year and <laughs> something always comes up and I just never get up there. So I went up this year and we, yeah. we found some cat tracks and you know, we walked them a little bit, but our dogs just, <laughs> I don't know if they were just couldn't smell it or what, but never warmed yeah, it up enough. It. Yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing is if you spend any time on a cat track, which I, I love that part of it. I mean, I tracked a cat by myself just to, learn what they do and see what they do but they do some crazy stuff that sometimes it's just amazing a dog could ever figure it out mm-hmm. without help oh, and yeah. they get in the rocks and they'll jump you know a 10 foot span from one rock to the next into the next and they might not ever get back on the ground for you know 70 80 yards mm-hmm. and, you know a dog that's got its nose on the ground gets to that rock and that's the end of the trail yep can't sort it out and they either think that Especially on a cold track, they typically aren't going to tree, and they'll just quit and come back. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of people think, oh, it just went in a hole. If they weren't right there to see what happened, they would never never see what you know what that cat did to figure it out in the end. Yeah. And I've seen stuff like that. I don't know how many times. Uh, that and uh, defense defense exposures for the in the national forest and stuff. Mm-hmm. Those have always been a, a 
thorn in our sides because the dogs can't get through them. Oh, I bet. And the cats, the cats just go right through them. Like you wouldn't think a thirty-pound pond could go through a four-inch square hole in a fence, but they can mm. with ease. And then the dogs hung up, and you got to go figure it out. Yep, I never even thought about that because um, where I bobcat hunted, I, we didn't run into any of that. But where I bear hunt down in West Virginia, there's a couple areas that are fenced, and I never even thought about that. Yeah, we run in, into it a couple different areas. There's quite a few fences. And, mm-hmm. and that there's nothing that, just, even a hot track, you know, there's nothing to destroy a chase any faster than that. You could give yep. them cats, you know, you might not get to the dog for 20 minutes. You give them cats a 20-minute lead, you'll never catch them. Mm-hmm. Now, are your dogs open on, on cats, or are they silent? They're open on a hot track. Okay. They And every every single one of them was silent on a cold track when they were young. Mm-hmm. And the older they got, the more open they got. Interesting. I've heard of the opposite happening. <laughs> right, right. I don't know what what changed, but every one of them, they all they all started opening on a colder track as the older they got. But I guess I never really had a preference with with Garmin's mm-hmm. trying to keep track of them on a cold track. Uh, being a dog guy all my life, I kind of like to hear them barking, but yeah. I always kind of had the the thought that maybe if they were quiet on the cold track, they would sneak up and get closer to the cat before they jumped it mm-hmm. and catch it and run it up a tree. I don't know that I ever seen where that was the, the case. Okay. Yeah, probably a couple times we might have had a couple pop-ups, but mm-hmm. i seen dogs that were open on track do the same thing. So Yeah, we talked a little bit before we started this, and uh, y- your dad's a plot guy, so, so what's up with... Uh... The plot mountain cur rivalry here. Who's better? <laughs> yeah, it's an ongoing thing. Which is better? Well, of course, mountain curs are. <laughs> now, I, you know, we keep we kind of kept track over the years, and uh, honestly, it's been a split about right down the middle. That's with pretty the funny. Number of cats we've taken with with each of them. Uh, yeah, my my both my dad and I are pretty competitive, so. We kind of we like to jab each other quite a bit, but we mm-hmm. we both had good dogs in both breeds and dogs that could really catch cats in both breeds. But we typically don't run them together. We have you know, but usually Dad and I take turns. He'll run one track and I'll run the next, and we just go back and forth. And you know, if everyone's lucky enough to get a cat that won't go down a hole. <laughs> we're in good shape. There you go. Now, did your dad get into running the plots? After you got the mountain Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I had Sadie and he killed his cat in front of Sadie and, and I tried to talk him into getting a mountain cur and he told me that he had always wanted a plot hound and he just went that direction and I tried to convince him otherwise, but there was no change in his mind. Well, at least he went with like <laughs> plots and not like walkers or something. <laughs> well, I think he, he, I think he's kind of in the same boat I am. There wasn't a lot of people running plots around and he wanted to be different. Yeah. Not like a good plot. Yeah. He's had he's had two females in particular that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one I like her more than the first one, but the first one was probably a better cat dog than the second one. <laughs> so, but yeah, we we work together well. You know, we just we just take our turns mm-hmm. and do what we can to help each other out, and it's worked well for fifteen years or how nice. long it's been. That's awesome. It's a lot of fun. I'll I'll give you a little. Uh, story about my dad on a cat which 
he, I, don't, I don't think he wanted to tell me the story after he witnessed it, but we had a cat jump one day, a nice big palm, and it was in a familiar area, and I think it was uh, Sadie, Junior, and Cinder were all three on it. And he had got ahead. The cats always seemed to run this hillside down to these big rock ledges and cliffs and circle. There's some laurel and stuff there. So he got down there. He was in there by himself, and he just walked up in to kind of watch to see what was going to happen. Well, the dogs were coming, and, and he heard something and looked. Well, here come the cat. And it come up about oh, 25 yards from him, he said. Went right to the face of that rock ledge, climbed the tree about 50 feet, jumped out of the top of the tree onto the top of the ledge, and then took off. Jeez. The dogs come down, run down around the end of that rock, got over, hit that tree. They all stopped and looked up the tree, and without hesitation, they took off, run back around the end of the rock cliff, up to the top, picked up the track and left on it and wow. kept running it. And he said, I don't know how they didn't know that they should have treed. Yeah. Technically, you yeah, thought they, they should have. I mean, that, that would have been what I expected. He said yeah. they never even acted like they were going to tree. They just, they just got down and took off down the end of the rocks and up around the top. And it was like they never missed a beat. That's they might incredible. have lost a minute or two on the track. But he said he wouldn't have believed it if he didn't see it. And I, I know that pained him to tell me that my dogs were that smart. But <laughs> <laughs> so. Yep, the, the hound car rivalry is strong as ever, no matter what, it seems. Right, right. <laughs> and I mean, I I always say that I like the curs because they think, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of hounds. And I, I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but they do. They just do. They yep. run a track to a tree, and that's their that's their goal you know, mm-hmm. to get to that tree at the end. And the curs run for a different reason. They're, they're wanting to catch that animal. You know, they're, they're thinking about what it's doing. And, and that was thinner to a T when she was younger. You would watch them run a track. And I could I could watch it on the garment, and all of a sudden she would cut off out of the circle by herself, and she'd be treed. She, she wouldn't be running the track anymore. She was trying to catch the cat, mm-hmm. you know, cutting corners and, Yep. And I think that was why she was so good at catching them there, why Sadie and her, because Sadie wouldn't lose the track and Cinder would take chances and try to catch it. And okay. They would just catch them. So if, if she missed it, Sadie would stay true to that track and yeah. bring it around. And... Right. Yep. And it was, they'd never miss a beat. Nice. Sounds like a good duo. Hawk's kind of, I mean, he's, he's five, actually, maybe six. Or he just turned six. I never ran him on cats until he was four. So. Okay. Uh, in fact, I wasn't ever going to run him on cats, and I had a change of heart here two years ago. <laughs> and uh, so he's still learning. He likes to run a cat, though. So and, and we never really covered, but Hawk is out of alley. He's out of alley, and Dorton's Oklahoma Mohawk. Mm-hmm. And uh, great squirrel dog. Um, I don't, I don't soon hunt him hardly at all. Okay, but. Uh, but I started running him on cats, and and he picked it up just like the other ones. Put him on a cold track. It's in fact, surprisingly, the first cold track I ever put him on, he took it. And I did. I figured I'd be pulling him off a squirrel tree somewhere. Mm-hmm. And and uh, he actually did a really nice job on it. And nice. It ended up getting in the rock on us. That sucks, but it's <laughs> just another day. <laughs> I was gonna say that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. At least the country we hunt. What's it like up there? Uh, it varies. 
it's not real rugged and you know there's there's not a lot of places it's really hard access but there is a lot of rocks mm-hmm. uh, patches of laurel here and there uh, but the the rocks are I think the rocks are really what attract the cats is yeah. they can get under them and get between them and there's lots of lots of feed there for them if you can mix rocks and laurel together then that's the that's mm-hmm. the perfect spot usually yeah but we don't the country that we typically hunt is not really big to the point where we're you know three miles from the truck at any given point okay where do you think they struggle that maybe the plots don't or maybe anything else or i guess the cold trail might have been a little bit of their weaker point at the plots probably Mm -hmm. you know you could put a the plot dogs on a little bit colder track and and uh usually stick with it okay they're still pretty decent at it, I guess, but I would say that's a weak point. And the other one, and it depended on which dog I was running at the time, but sometimes these cats get in a patch of laurel and run like a rabbit. Mm-hmm. And after they've been over their track about four times, I think the plot seemed to do a little bit better job of keeping the track straight than the curves would. Okay. Uh, that would that would have probably been the other spot that they struggled with a little bit. It just, you know... Even a good rabbit dog can struggle when they start circling and on their own track four or five or six times. Yeah, I guess those are the two the two points. But other than that, I don't know that we've we've had a whole lot of difference. And I okay. and even that those are those are in extreme situations too. Mm-hmm. You know, they can they can circle a cat pretty good. Nice. I think the way you hunt is vastly different than a way a lot of guys hunt. Like you'll see some guys here and there post a picture of a bobcat with they that they treat, but. I think a lot of those are incidentals. You know, most people don't go out targeting cats with mountain curs. So right. that's why I wanted to have you on is just because it's vastly different than the way most people hunt and use mountain curs. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you having me on. I, uh, I really take pride in them. I know they're not superstars or anything, but, uh, we've been pretty successful with them over the years. And I, uh, I try pretty hard for them. If I if something happens and I don't understand it, you can bet that I'm going to walk in there. I don't care if it's a mile. I'm going to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. I always I'm always investigating. I don't like to leave anything to the unknown. Yeah, and you learn a lot. You learn a lot by doing that. Oh yeah, definitely. Because like you said, sitting in the truck wondering, <laughs> you'll never figure it out. You can wonder and you can think this happened or that happened, but you never know. Right, right. Until you, like I said, it. I'm going to go in and see. Do you think dogs that were better on squirrel or versus coon made a better cat dog, or did it not really matter? I think dogs that, I guess, let me, I think the dogs that were better on cats were better on coon. How about that? Okay. Uh, seemed like, I think it seemed like the more I, the more they did on cats and the more they liked cats, the less they really cared about a squirrel, which is the main reason that, that, uh, I didn't hunt hawk on cats because he was my main squirrel dog. And mm-hmm. after seeing what had happened with the other dogs, I decided that I wasn't going to run him on cats because I didn't want to take away from the squirrels. Because you've done some competition hunting with Havinger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly unsuccessful, but <laughs> I've, I've done a little bit of winning here and there. Mm-hmm. But that was, you know, the the young female I have now, Nida. She's been the best dog in competition I've had, and. That's why I've been a little hesitant to try to cat hunt her even. Okay. Uh, now, how's she bred? She is 
old stock. I think her mother goes back to Mohawk, and her father goes back to uh, uh, River Road Tank. Okay. How old is she? She is three. She okay. Three. But she, uh, she's, she's a really nice squirrel dog, and I probably will. It's Allie's, Allie's 10 years old. She'll be 11 in September. Mm-hmm. She's on the verge of retiring from the bobcat hunting. So I'm going to have to, if I'm going to have something to run with Hawk, I'm going to have to make a move here <laughs> yeah. next year or so. But you know, she's she's another one. I don't know if she'll take a cold track or not. Mm-hmm. Well, that just she means you're going to like, get another, start another pup. That way you've got, <laughs> got a squirrel dog. Right. You always got right. that young dog that you're squirrel hunting, and then once they get a couple years old, you can <laughs> switch them over to cats. Well, my, my intentions were to have a litter of pups possibly this year, but it didn't work out. So Darn. maybe next year. Now, is that out of Hawk and... Oneida? Hawk and Oneida. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like to keep what I got going mm-hmm. going here, but the only time I'm going to have any pups is just when I'm ready for one. So. Yeah. That'd be, that's a lot of nice old stock blood there. Right. Now, like I said, I've gone that route. I just tend to mm-hmm. tend to like the looks and the attitude and and stuff better. I uh, I, I don't want to lose that drive that Cinder had there. It, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely been passed on for sure, but there's other traits there on the other side that I like. Mm-hmm. like quite a bit more so now i if i was looking to look for a mountain cur and even when i had mountain curs that's i looked very heavily at the busher dogs because i just i thought they were really good looking dogs and that's kind of i liked the bigger dogs i liked the fact that a lot of them were more coon dogs than squirrel dogs right right and i per, tend to coon hunt more than squirrel hunt so I always kind of looked at them, and I never did pull the trigger and get one. But if I was going to go that route, that's probably the route I would go to. Right. right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with what I've got here now at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all got their faults. It don't oh, matter yeah. what <laughs> what line you're running. Exactly. <laughs> Someday maybe I'll find the perfect dog, but I doubt it. I asked uh, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, why are hounds so addictive? And, and somebody responded like, because we're always looking for that perfect one. So it's right. like you, you just accumulate so many dogs because you're looking for the perfect ones. So you have one that does you know this and that right, and then you have one that does something else right. And he's like, you're always just looking for that perfection. Yeah, if you <laughs> like, could, if you could mix, mix them all together and make the one you want, probably have something. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it just never lines up like that. And and I doubt that I'll ever see anything even close because uh, I'm a little bit different than a lot of guys that run dogs. I once I got one, I'll make I'll make whatever I can make out of it, and it'll stay here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't typically sell dogs, and they'll they'll live out their life here. They'll be good enough at that one thing or another that that uh, I can utilize them and take a little bit of pride in what you what you raise and train and. And even if it's not perfect, which even the best guys out there don't have the perfect dog either. So mm-hmm. kind of take it in stride and, and utilize them for what they're good at. I, I completely quit hunting some of the dogs on squirrels just because that wasn't their thing. So yeah. I would soon hunt them, utilize them for, for what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Nope, I understand that. Allie was going to be my last last bobcat dog. I was, I was ready to hang it up a couple years ago. Uh, cat population had, had dropped at least in the area that we hunt and okay. it seemed like every cat we dumped on would go down a hole and I said you know what I'm just gonna hunt Allie till she's ready to retire and and uh 
but I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I had to try Hawk out, and he he really he took right off on it. So, uh, so I'm glad I didn't quit. Yeah. You know, it's something that something that gets in your blood once once you've had some success. Mm-hmm, definitely. Didn't you uh the last couple of years take uh like a TV show or something? I did uh, Bone Cold TV. Okay. Went with us. Uh, actually had him with me for two seasons. And uh, they, I, I'm not sure where the footage stands at this point, but they'll be putting an episode together. Cool. Or I think we have, I think we have at least three, three kills on that that awesome. they got to film. So, yeah, I'm I'm patiently waiting <laughs> for something to come out. Yeah. Now I remember, I just remember seeing you sharing a photo or something of that, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think they they sent me a photo that I could share, and yeah, they they had actually been after me for a few years, and it it's kind of got to the point now where where I try to limit because I could take I could be booked all the time, and I don't really want to be like that. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a guy to make money or anything. Uh, it's, you know, friends and family and people that friends of a friend or something about as is about as far as I go now with, with taking clients. Yeah, uh, just because there's there's plenty of people that want to go. Oh yeah, and they had, they had been trying to get me to take them for a couple of years, so I finally finally <laughs> broke down. And I really really had a good time hunting with them guys, though. Good. They they were a blast. So, Very cool. I look forward to seeing that then. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I actually was just texting with Chad the other day, and I should have asked him. So. We were going to see something for a bobcat hunt here pretty soon. They'll probably wait till like middle of this winter when it's. <laughs> that's yeah, the way the probably, TV probably. shows work. Right. Yeah, they usually set those up so so they fall at the right right time of year. Yep. Well, you have anything else to add? Have a good story that. Oh, I could tell stories all day if I could think of it. They put me on the spot and my mind goes blank. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, we uh, yeah, I do that. I, the guys uh passed away now he was a good friend of ours growing up he was a farmer that lived around the corner from my dad and uh we had uh, cut a track one morning and it was just shady and cinder we had put on it and it had left the road and went under this old big falling down camp and we went over in there and, and the dogs took the track through underneath the building off into the brush and didn't take too long and they they had it jump and it just kept running back and forth across the road uh right there by the camp and nobody could seem to get in the right spot to see it or and it would run down the road and throw the dogs off and then cut back in and and it went around for uh probably a half hour there they ran it and they said it would it would get on the road and throw them off and backtrack itself and and but almost every time it would circle back past that old falling down camp which had basically fallen right down on top of itself. The roof was still intact. Mm-hmm. And it would go right under it and then out a different way every time. <laughs> so finally, I told the guy, I said, go up there and stand on top of that camp. He's like, what? I said, get right up on top where you can see. And he did. And it wasn't five minutes. Cat come, come running in there and he shot it. And uh, I was walking into him there and he got down off the, off the camp and come walking over to me and his eyes were, as big as watermelons he, he's like 
that thing's as big as a coyote. I was like, well, what did you expect? He's like, I, I said, did you expect a health cat? And he said, well, kind of. And it ended up being, it ended up being 35 pounds. Nice. Uh, but he was, he was completely shocked. He didn't realize Bobcats got that big and he just couldn't believe his eyes when he seen it coming through, mm-hmm. coming right at him. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was an interesting thing. And it's always, as much as I love the dogs, and that's that's what it's all about for me. Seeing somebody that's never even seen a bobcat get the chance to take one, yeah, that's that's a close second. Definitely, uh, we've taken taken kids and girls, and I've had a couple twelve year olds shoot cats out of trees, and I had one twelve year old shoot a cat off the ground in a laurel at like ten yards with the dog staying in its face. That was that was pretty intense situation there, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think. Uh, like I said, after the dogs, that probably comes a close second. And I bet you're just chomping at the bit for your daughter to have that chance. Yeah, she's got a few years yet. <laughs> so, but yeah, typically I don't I don't carry a gun, and I honestly don't have a whole lot of desire to shoot one myself anymore. I did I did take one this year, the first year, first one in ten years that I actually took myself. Okay. But uh, yeah. Yeah, you hunted a lot of fun getting Hawk this by himself, didn't you? Actually, Hawk and Allie chased that cat that okay. I killed this year, and then uh, Hawk ended up getting hurt like two days later. Got a stick jammed into his chest and put him Ooh. out for the season. So, yeah, I was that, that hurt pretty bad. It was it was like the first week, and so I lost him for most of the season this year. But, mm-hmm. Bummer. But Allie can still do it. She just doesn't do it as fast or. Yeah. As often. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That still getting out there. Yep, yep. She'll be, like you said, she'll be 11 in, in September. So I'm hoping one more season. You said Cinder's still alive? Cinder is still alive, yep. How Cinder Jr. Uh, Cinder is, she'll be 14 in November. And Junior just turned 13 in May. Okay. But they're enjoying their retirement now. They don't chase anything anymore except for trees <laughs> around on the floor. Gotcha. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking about your dogs and bobcat hunting with them. And I've enjoyed it. I'm sure everybody else will as well. All right. Thank you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>